I have an airdrop story. Okay. From, over the, from over the weekend, I was in New Orleans in the French Quarter at a Mardi Gras parade on Saturday night, and I was with our uh, colleague Seth. He was in town uh, visiting, and he received an airdrop from a stranger. It's like someone sent a picture of the person next to them to Seth's iPhone, and I was oh, probably misclicked or something. Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, it was just like, because it, then it went to me. But I was perplexed because I was like, wait, how is that possible? Like, did you turn on airdrop for everyone for 10 minutes and then this just happened to happen? And he said, no, I just haven't updated my iPhone in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So then I turn on airdrop. Uh, for everyone but also i look around uh on airdrop because i was like how many people are doing this and i found at least 16 phones in my airdrop range that had airdrop on for everyone which i now take to mean that they haven't updated their iphone and isn't that like around january or so when that came out like the the rule changed yeah yeah might even be december yeah so people don't don't update their iphones and i mean there there haven't been new emoji yet i guess which kind of explains it but uh i was really surprised by that it's like people like you know it was kind of like stepping back into the old way before and uh just seeing all these people's names and you can airdrop strangers and they can accept it and um you know i liked that before then you know just just as a ease of use i do feel like the ios policy has changed somewhat and is far less aggressive on prompting for updates doing updates in general so like yeah yeah. and it's always the case that people you know the, the 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 mass population they never upgrade until they're prompted or they might do it around a a point zero or point one with emoji, right? Like, because mm-hmm. the point zero, there's all the publicity around the new features and people upgrade just to see what's going on there. Yeah. But then the point ones, the point twos, all that kind of stuff. Like, pe- I don't think pe- people don't go hunting for that stuff unless it comes up and prompts them to do it. And I don't think, I, I feel like in the olden day or like a, f- a couple of years ago, it was way more aggressive in showing you that there was a know a point update available and you should update right now or we've already downloaded the update for you do you want to install it tonight you know yes no and that kind of stuff doesn't seem to happen as near as often like it still does but it's on a much slower schedule because i know my family who i visited two days ago they're not up to date on point three like Mm -hmm. i was looking around to um I was maybe going to change their home to the new architecture or whatever, or like see what, because um, the new architecture can be re released shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, oh, let's see what their situation is. And like all of their devices are still too old. So, you know, that's like a point two, that's like a point two at minimum, right? Yeah. So like they update to the 16 and then they kind of like don't bother anymore unless the phone tells them to do it. And for whatever reason, the phone doesn't seem to tell you to do it anywhere near as often as it used to. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Like my my uh, my daughter, she's nine. Her iPad was on iOS fifteen still until I updated it. Like, well, what, there's two, the other thing, right? Where n- now the UI for upgrading to a major new version is also um, deprioritized because mm-hmm. if there's a fifteen fix available, it puts that as the top result. So like, 
my parents didn't upgrade to iOS 16 until I showed them what to do. I even told my mum, right, iOS 16's out. This was obviously in like October. Mm-hmm. Um, you should install it. And she went to the settings and she was like, I've installed the updates. I was like, okay, great. Then I come around the next day and it's like, you, you, you're not up to date. But what, what it is, is it puts that also available iOS 16 little banner at the very, very bottom of the screen. And in the middle of the screen, it says, your iPhone's up to date because it was on the most recent version of iOS 15. And so in that weird like transition period they have now, it's even less likely that people even see the big updates, like the major new version updates, because they're like hidden at the bottom of that software update screen. Yeah. And then once you do upgrade to the major version, it seems the phone is less um, less frantically pushing people to adopt the latest releases. Mm-hmm. So I'm not... Yeah, there's definitely something, because it, it does feel like a few years ago, the device would automatically push you forward more. I don't know if it's just checking less frequently or if Apple's got this policy in place where they're just not rolling out stuff as aggressively or, or what. But I, I agree with you, though, that there's been a change somewhere along the line. And I don't yeah. think it's necessarily people's... Um, like people are averse to updating or, you know, people are declining updates. They're just not getting presented with them in the first place to actually get it done. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Yeah. I don't think I've ever automatically updated because I just go look for it when the moment it hits, you know. I mean, we're a different breed. Like, yeah. But why we, Why didn't Seth update? What's up with that? I mean, you'd have to <laughs> ask him. But to be fair, the there wasn't that much different in the point to release, like. There's not a made. They haven't shipped a major new feature apart from maybe the the um, emergency SOS via satellite thing, mm-hmm. right? In the point in the sixteen cycle, so not the point zero, but the the successive updates. Like everything in there's pretty minor. So yeah. it, it's when people start sending blank emojis that you're like, oh, what's what's wrong? There was actually um, so the MLS season pass launched on February the first. Um, and people could sign up and there's some like pre-season content on there of like team profiles and player profiles and stuff but the main games don't start to end of february um but to actually access the mls portal in the tv app you have to be up to date you have to have 16.2 or newer and on twitter on my apple tv tweet column there were so many people like i can't find the mls stuff i don't know where it is it's just i search for it and nothing shows up and the truth is that it doesn't show up until you're you've got a newer version of ios so it just shows how many people uh lag behind there so I wonder how many listeners can still airdrop everyone. The things we talk about, they're just from the future. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, some some news, Apple uh, reported by Mark Raman at Bloomberg. Apple will not have a new Johnny Ive when the new Johnny Ive uh, Evans Hankey leaves in a few weeks, I guess. They're just not going to have a vice president of industrial design. They're not going to have a – what was Johnny's last title? Oh, uh, chief design officer. They're not going to have a CDO. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to have um, a COO, chief operating officer. Which is Jeff Williams. Jeff Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And now, according to his report, the design group will directly report to Jeff Williams instead of going through the vice president of industrial design role that um, mm-hmm. Evan Sankey previously held, um, industrial design chief. The Interestingly, the um, software design chief position still remains under Alan Dye. Mm. Who knows what happens if he eventually leaves? Will they give up on that one as well? But for now, he's still the VP of Human Interface Design. But Industrial Design no longer has a named uh, manager. It just goes straight up to Jeff Williams. When Johnny Ive departed the company, and they took... Uh, they didn't they didn't name someone to, like, VP of Design, which I thought was weird. I'm pretty sure we talked about in this show as well, that, like, even if it's symbolic, like, 
Apple, the company, is the design company. And the fact right. that they have no senior leadership presence in terms of that title is kind of insane. And for a while, you know, when Johnny I first left in 2015, they named two people to the uh, leadership page. You had Alan Dye and Richard Holworth, right, mm-hmm. for hardware design. So there was two people with vice presidents on uh, the apple.com slash leadership page to be like yep look we still care about design plus we had johnny ive in the chief design officer role then when when johnny was in around like 2017 was like now nah, i'm actually going to stay on for a bit longer the the two um, people below him got taken off the page but then when johnny decided to actually retire from apple completely and go to love from in like 2021 uh, they never put anyone back on the page so you can go on there right now and there's literally no one listed evans hanky wasn't ever listed on there nobody was alan dye's not on there uh, so it's it's kind of random and there's obviously this narrative that you know Apple's being run by operations rather than design, and that's definitely true to some extent. Because in the old old days, you know, you go back ten years when it was still under the tenure of Steve Jobs, the company was so over-indexed on design it was almost insane. Like the company was built that way, so Johnny was at the top, and they, Johnny had final, uh, like Johnny had final power. There's that classic Steve Jobs quote: "Is like the only person with." Um, the person with the the like the most amount of power in Apple, apart from me, is Johnny Ive, and that's the way I set it up, right? So like the company structure and reporting hierarchy was so flipped compared to a traditional company uh, for the longest time, and then Jobs departed, and and you know obviously uh, Cook kind of doesn't have the same product vision, the same you know d- design mindset, so he delegates, and that reintroduces a more traditional. Uh, corporate structure but even under the first you know 10 years of tim cook's reign there was that design role now it's getting further and further murky about where exactly design ranks in the in in the in the chopping blocks right and like it's not a thing where there's the positions removed and therefore immediately stuff goes awry or stuff or priorities get you know scrapped but it's definitely a case where like you know the leadership group matters in the sense that they're the ones making decisions of the day. And if your if your design chatter is not near the top of the company, then naturally it gets pushed to the side to other to other divisions like operations or finance or anything else. That's just a reality of the world. And so it does, you know, have some sort of long term doubt. It seeds long term doubt about you know Apple's product direction. Doesn't mean they're going to make new product new bad products immediately. Doesn't mean they're going to make bad products ever. But it does sow some questions about the the long-term direction. Uh, maybe Jeff Williams is becoming, you know, head of design, even though he's going to have the operations role. Like, if he takes on all the responsibilities and all the uh, commitments that Evans Hankey did before, then I guess it doesn't matter. But Jeff Williams also reports, uh, also has direct reports from loads of other people. Like, everybody reports Jeff Williams nowadays, as it seems like he's being prepared to take the CEO role if and when... Uh, Tim Cook steps down. So he's overloaded with responsibility and it seems like a bit of a mess. So I'm not like the harbinger of doom and gloom, but I don't think it's a completely irrelevant fact that, you know, if you compare Apple's um, corporate hierarchy 10 years ago to today, the fact that design used to be like a top job and then was even elevated to an even even higher top job with multiple positions on the leadership page. And now you look at it and there's zero presence at all. It is somewhat meaningful, you know? Yeah, it, it takes the trip Mickle after Steve's book conclusion even further where that the book sort of what the point it tries to make is that under Steve, 
it was design at the top. Johnny had the power after Steve. Tim Cook was much more corporate and design became kind of annoying in terms of managing uh, excessiveness. And this takes that conclusion and just runs with it. It's like there's not even going to be another chance for there to be um, a Johnny Ive. But there's such a key difference between, you know, as you've you've mentioned, between Steve Jobs and, and Tim Cook as leaders. Uh, like Tim Cook was – Tim Cook is not going to be the, the guy to walk in and say this needs to be a different shade of blue or something, you know. Um, I don't think he's designed opinionated. I think he's designed impressed. Uh, and that's probably true for Jeff Williams as well. Um, so – and in the book, you know, does make the point that um, operations has it's it can be operations versus designers when it's sure we can do this, but it's not cost effective or it's just too much. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I, I I I understand how it happened and why it's happening, and I think it's probably the right thing for Tim Cook's Apple. Because there, there was just like like the whole awkwardness of giving Johnny a promotion to do less, and then you know you want to signal to investors that there's not going to be a massive change, and then it, it the inevitable happens. You you have you pay to keep him going, and then he still does even less, and then he still leaves in the end and takes designers with him. Uh, it, it's it is a huge change in the story of Apple from their history. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually get back to having a key a key team of designers that are more uh, present. Because that's you know like I, I feel like Microsoft designer the blank kind of yeah. yeah like we've come to a point now where Microsoft has a a public facing designer that you're like that's who's leading design at Apple or at Microsoft and at Apple we're like. There's the chief operating officer, and then the design team. Reports yeah, it's murky, to... right? Like, yeah, and yeah. a murky exterior quite often reflects a murky interior. <laughs> and sure. you know, when when the when the executives get around the when they're doing their morning their Monday meeting, which they do like every single week, and they're talking about the whole business for the longest time, one of the people sitting at that table was in charge of design, and presumably now there's nobody, unless you count Jeff Williams, right? Um, mm-hmm. But he has multiple priorities as well, so. It's a it's a landmark moment, I would say, um, mm-hmm. and there's definitely some turmoil in the fact that Evans Hankey's departing over such a short time of taking over, you know. Like, and I still mm-hmm. think we're kind of in a transition period of the design group where so many of them were wedded to like the Johnny Ive way of doing things, and even before like the Steve Jobs way of doing things. And since he's gone, he's taken lieutenants with him to love from. Other people have just departed, and there's still probably going to be a bit more shake up there until they get like the new equilibrium. It's just how much of those people. You know, how much voice do they say? How much power do they have? Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, at least what it looks from the outside is they have diminishing power every single day because yeah. they just don't appear there. Yeah, and Apple does sometimes restore positions that have been eliminated or squished into others. I don't think we'll ever have another chief design officer. I mean, that was just a title for Johnny Ive. It wasn't his most powerful era of Apple. Um, but just this week, there is news that Apple's hired a dedicated um, chief people officer, chief officer, chief people officer, and and they used to have this role at senior vice president of people, which toward, sort of took human resources, HR, and added uh, like diversity efforts and accountability uh, and inclusion 
in the in, in the same role and then called it people versus just human resources um then it was uh D- denise young smith right who mm-hmm. was that position and then left the company and dj o'brien then took the role as well as retail because dj o'brien was elevated to the retail plus people svp <laughs> yeah she was elevated to run retail after angela orange left and now this week there's a new uh chief chief officer people chief people officer yeah and carol surface carol Sur- speaking of yeah uh yeah and and this yeah, is she comes from medtronic haven't some heard sort of Medtronic, medical devices yeah. company not not particularly familiar with, Med, with Medtronic but mm-hmm. I am kind of happy to see that once again Apple has like split roles up because we talked about we 100% talked this on an episode of Happy Hour before when yes. DJ O'Brien took the retail plus people title in February of 2019 it was like is this really going to be permanent it doesn't seem like the kind of permanent status to have a literal plus sign in your title and you're covering yeah. both divisions of retail and people because um, in some ways, almost a conflict of interest. Because uh, you know, exactly, if you're in, if you're yeah. in charge of the retail group, you you're then also like in command of the you know Apple's biggest base of employees, i.e. the like, retail like, employees. It's like having a union leader who's also making company decisions. Like it's two different perspectives and two. And different it's so diverse in terms of like um, needs and and like priorities and requirements and demands on the job that it never felt sustainable that one person could cover both roles. It just doesn't seem. Didn't, didn't seem practical but i think what happened is uh, at least you can speculate that you know the the retail job had been so um quagmired by people coming in and leaving that i don't think apple wanted some sort of stability in the group and so when they they brought from within with did o'brien in the first place when um for the uh people role when denise young smith left and then when Angela Aaron's left, there wasn't an obvious person to take the job, so they were like, "Okay, let's just keep it, let's keep it chill by giving DJ Brown more responsibility." But probably they've been looking for a, you know, a VP of people or a VP of, or a dedicated VP of retail for that whole time, and it, they were just like, "Look, we'll get we'll get her, we'll get um, O'Brien in to cover both roles, but eventually, in time, we'll get somebody else to take up one of those positions, and we'll split back out again." And that's what's happened this week with Carol Surface now becoming. Uh, basically taking the people role into now chief people officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's on the backdrop of the discontent about employee welfare and pay. And we've seen, you know, retail stores unionize. There's obviously been some uprisings in corporate Apple as well with treatment of workers and the whole security and privacy debate. Um, how, you know, workers are coming back to the office or not for work from home policy, Apple's work from home policy. So there is... um discontent i would say in the employee ranks and so maybe apple's also hoping that by getting um a dedicated person there they can they can translate their policies easier better without having and they can you know calm the employees a bit that look you know we don't have the person in charge of retail also in charge of employee pay (laughs) which would directly um go against the retail profitability for instance you know Mm -hmm. like so splitting that up i think makes sense um, and we'll see how well Carol Service does when she officially joins the company in March. I, and I would guess that the, the, the difference between senior vice president and chief officer of people is sort of you're bringing somebody in from an outside the company and you want to give them a nice title. Whereas the SVP level, it's 
it's you, it's a promotion from within. So just being an SVP is is appealing, and that's what I I guess uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it also might be a Johnny Ive kind of thing where it's like we we we're changing your requirements slightly, so you got a special special yeah. name, you know? Yeah. Because like my I kind of take it as like if you're on the leadership page, then you matter. And it doesn't really care too much what your exact title is, you know mm. what I mean? Like, um, I mean, like as a dumb example, Phil Schiller, who doesn't technically even work there anymore, right? Or in a very limited capacity, he's an Apple fellow. He doesn't have a VP or an SVP title of any kind, and yet he's still listed on the leadership page, reflecting that he does yeah. have a significance at the company, right? Like, um, so you can look at. I feel like the leadership page is pretty transparent in showing, you know, who's in control. Like, I mean, you can Johnny I's been on that page for so long but he was never an official executive until you know more recently so it's a the the apple.com page tells you a lot i think and i'm presuming that the chief people officer will be shown on there because uh dj brian is today obviously we are sponsored this week by wild grain there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh baked bread coming out of the oven it's just divine but it's such a hassle to actually make that well, what if I told you you can get that delicious experience and all enjoy all those tasty flavours, but with none of the time and work traditionally involved? Wild Grain is the answer. Sign up at wildgrain.com slash happy hour. Wild Grain is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box, delivering sourdough breads, fresh pastures, and artisanal pastries to your door. And unlike what you get in the supermarket, Wild Grain breads use a slow fermentation process that's easier on your belly, lower in sugar, and rich in nutrients and antioxidants. Every item in your box bakes them frozen in 25 minutes or less, and you'll never get bored. They're continuously adding new, seasonal, and limited-time special items to try. Now, Zach, I know you got to try out a Wild Grain box, right? Yes, this is probably one of my favorite sponsor samples in the world because I love bread. And it was uh, a big variety of of different breads from um, croissants to, like, sweet bakery-style chocolate croissants uh, and different loaves of bread really a treat um the the fact that you can get all of this in a single box and then store it in the freezer so that you have it for whenever you're ready for it is a, a real treat so uh anyone who like me has an appreciation for the bread this is a great way to satisfy yourself so all you have to do is sign up at wildgrain.com slash happy hour and choose which type of box is for you. And for every new member, Wildgrain donates six meals to the Greater Boston Food Bank. So you can eat good and do good all at the same time. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash happy hour to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash happy hour. One more time, that's wildgrain.com slash happy hour, or you can use promo code happy hour at checkout. Thanks to Wildgrain for sponsoring the show. All right, uh, Mac Studio. There's there's a Mark Gurman report about sort of the fate of the Mac Studio uh, as it would coexist with a Mac Pro or not. What What's the story? What's your take on this, Mayo? Yeah, so the Gurman uh, report, which came in his newsletter, which wasn't directly framed as knowledge of Apple's product plans, but was kind of hinting it in that way. Um, so he basically says he doesn't anticipate there's going to be a M2 Mac Studio. So there's not going to be a Mac Studio update this year. Uh, so they did the M1 Ultra Mac Studio and M1 Max for Mac, uh, Mac Studio last year, obviously. 
uh, the introduction of the additional form factor to the Mac lineup. But these not uh, Apple's not planning to revise it, according to German, on the M2 roadmap, mainly because it would overlap too closely with the Mac Pro. So the Mac Pro is expected to feature the M2 Ultra chip. So that's the double M1 Max kind of design. Um, and the Ultra chip right now is only available in the studio, the M1 Ultra. The Mac Pro is believed to have the M2 Ultra inside it. And according to the original plans, was going to have the M2, you know, quote-unquote extreme, which would have been two Ultra chips uh, taped together for even double performance again. But as we spoke about in the show before, uh, Bloomberg's uh, Mark Gurman said that Apple has scrapped plans to do an M2 extreme chip because it was... Uh, being too costly to make and they were struggling to produce it and the yields were just too low so they've uh, ditched that idea and so the mac pro that will be coming out at some point this year with a industrial design very similar to the current mac pro according to rumors will feature the m2 ultra chip at which point it becomes harder to distinguish why they would need a mac studio in the lineup when it's basically featuring the exact same internals and we don't believe the new Mac Pro is going to have much to differentiate in terms of expandability either. Like the latest reports say both GPU and uh, RAM will not be user upgradable. So you're going to have a bigger enclosure maybe to fit some PCI slots for accessories and store extra storage. But the key differences in performance like CPU, GPU and RAM are going to be as unupgradable as they are in the Mac Studio. So... The two products, at least for the M2 cycle, seem to be going on a very like parallel to almost identical path with maybe minor differences just in terms of the form factor of which this one's bigger than the other one. But in terms of capability, the, the maybe Apple was intending to do something differently uh, in the planning stages when they're expecting the Mac Pro to have a more high-end chip. But the rubber meets the road. The reality is... Uh, the, we believe the Mac Pro is going to come out with basically the same chip that was probably originally planned for the Mac Studio. But because that's happening, there's not really a pressing need for Apple to release a Mac Studio this time around. German doesn't say they've like you know ditched it full stop. He's, he he thinks he kind of suggests that they might offer a Mac Studio again in the M3 or M4 uh, Apple Silicon generations, at which time they might be able to better differentiate it with the Mac Pro. Kind of suggesting that maybe by that time they'll be able to sort out the yields on the you know big extreme chip and offer something really beefy in the higher Mac Pro so the Mac Studio can take that that middle high-end slot. Yeah, and they can continue selling the Mac the Mac Studio for a, a while without it being awkward. I mean, they're still selling the 24-inch iMac with an M1 chip uh, in the age of... Yeah, which is also believed not to be getting revised for M2, and that's going to wait to M3. So. Right, right. So they'll keep these around, and I guess the difference between Mac studio as it exists today and then the next mac pro like it will look different for one and then there'll be some different uh io decisions i suppose and then the mac pro will be the one that has the the fastest chip of this year the mac studio is just um i, I, I imagine it would comparably it would be more affordable um for the amount of power that you get so uh there, there was a report um earlier in january by SERP, the Consumer Intelligence Research Partners Group. And it was basically a breakdown of a survey conducted in, in, in the fall in September of 2022, uh, that quarter at least, that sort of broke down the, the of their survey, the, the number of uh, desktops and laptops in use. And in total, 
the Mac Studio made up 1% of respondents. The Mac Pro made up 11% of respondents. So, you know, you can look at that and say... 11%? Yeah, yeah. uh, Total. That seems high to me. It does seem high, but you could look at it as, well, especially in the case of the Mac Studio comparison, that it's only been sold for six months at that time versus any Mac Pro that's ever been sold under any name, you know, or any version, any year. So that that the comparison makes sense to the eleven percent part. I think I think when you know when they did the Mac Roundtable, right, and the Mac Pro was up in the air at that point. I believe um, Phil Schiller said that the Mac Pro represents a single digit percentage of yeah, the overall the, base. Looking at this data yeah. now, it's 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 kind of wild. Like here's the breakdown of percent of units for desktop. Mm-hmm. I iMac thirteen percent. Mac Pro 11, Mac Mini 1. That cannot be the case. That right? cannot be right. Right, right? <laughs> There's no way the iMac the, the iMac and the Mac Pro sell in anywhere near equal quantities. Yeah. It's, not, it's no way. Yeah, the Mac Pro, the Mac, the Mac Studio for, for six months and the Mac Mini since ever, I guess. And maybe there's a new purchases for that for that quarter. But at any rate, you know. People aren't buying them, even because if, <laughs> even if it's based on new purchases, people aren't buying that Mac Pro in big volumes at the moment. Like, sure. Yeah. Sorry, sir. I don't think you've got it right on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you, they also break down, and of course the MacBook Air, Mac Pro, or MacBook Pro, they, there's 34 percent and 40 percent respectively, so um, made up the, the bulk of it. And, and but yeah, if that you look sounds at, more reasonable. Yeah. yeah, and and it's and the, the data sort of says that one in one in four Mac computers are desktops, which that it also feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the Mac Studio from this data, and you look at at its percentage of desktop computers, it was at 4% matching Mac Mini. Mac Pro was at 43% of desktop computers. iMac was 50% of desktop computers. So, uh, I don't know. Weird. That that Mac Pro numbers out. Maybe people when people being surveyed, they have a MacBook Pro, and they just heard <laughs> Mac Pro, and they're like, oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there's no way 11%, either current sales or overall total base is that big. Yeah, it's no, no way. Yeah, yeah. I... I'm not sure the iMac would even be 11% of total sales because the laptops are just so dominant. Because I mean, that's the other that's the other question mark is like how much effort is Apple going to put into a Mac Pro when it represents such a small sliver of overall sales? And the whole idea about the M2 Extreme situation is that it wasn't worth it to them to keep pushing that direction for a low volume product, so they 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 they, they scrapped it. Um, mm-hmm. But what is weird is that when they did the 2019 Mac Pro, which went all in on high-end, high-end, high-end with, you know, four bays, uh, 1.5 terabytes of RAM as an option, you know, four graphics cards, custom MPX modules. They went all out. And at that time, they were the very next year, they were introducing the ARM transition. So they must have had some future planning for what the Mac Pro becomes once we're off Intel. And I think the original plan would have been that M2 Extreme chip. So then it kind of made the new lineup, right? But now that the M2 Extreme chip has become unfeasible, at least for uh, the M1, M2 timeframe, the lineup is more messier and the decision-making is less clear. I kind of feel like we're going to end the the year with a similar impression to high-end Macs, or at least high-end desktop Macs, as we do to the iPad at the moment, where the iPad lineup's all jumbled all over the place with you know, accessories for the lower-end model having features the big one doesn't, which again seems like something that it might not have been Apple's plan, but when it comes down to, you know, manufacturing and supply, there were problems in late in the stage that they had to make, you know, compromised choices. 
you you well yeah and, and this this year i think that in the in the desktop single computer no monitor included not not imac space it's at the mac mini got updated and it got updated in sort of the 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 higher end version and and that's what maybe maybe that the mac mini high end version is more awkward with a mac studio than even a mac pro would be uh, it's almost but there's like no there's no max m2 max chip in mm-hmm. the mac mac mini right mm-hmm. that's that's the so the mac studio has the m1 max in it mm-hmm. and the m1 ultra is the upgrade option yeah with this cycle if they're not going to do a, a studio they'll have no desktop mac with a max in it it'll only be in the laptops because the pro is but the, the mac pro is just going to have an ultra in it presumably like. which is weird to think about but if you look at laptop usage then it's it's almost forgivable because <laughs> what if it one one um possibilities they could have done the m2 lineup where this year the mac studio only gets the m2 max and then the ultra is only in the mac pro like if they wanted clean differentiation in product lines they could have done it that way around but then I guess people would be outraged that they're going to have to spend the extra $1,000 to get the Pro, whereas last year they could get the Ultra in the studio. So maybe it's easier for Apple just to not bother mm-hmm. and come back when they when they have better chip lineups to support their product lines. You talk about HomePod? The HomePod. HomePod. So yeah, you obviously have- they, uh, the second generation became available um, last Friday. I got two of them to compare against, to keep and you know replace where my original two home pods are um we did talk about the kind of official reviews in last week's show but just a few like you know hands-on comments from me now that i've actually had time to use them and compare them so wait, wait, wait hang on so, so last week you said that you watched a video on youtube and that there mm. was definitively no difference between space gray and midnight yeah okay yeah thanks thanks for thanks for reminding people about me saying that yeah <laughs> i did say that last week based on watching the videos and to be fair reading hands-on uh written articles from people that had them who also said that the, the colors look the same but i can tell you with my own two eyes the colors are not the same so even on apple's website they make it look so much more close to the space gray color than reality in reality if you're in like a brighter lighting like with the sun the New HomePods in Midnight definitely have a blue tinge. They're just bluer. They have a blue shade to them, and they're also just a darker color. Like if you could, if you take a Space Gray and an OG HomePod and the new one in Midnight, it if if it's not in a blaring sun, you probably won't notice the blueness, but you will notice that the color is a bit darker. It's closer to black than like now you have both side by side. The Space Gray looks closer to gray, and the midnight looks closer to black is it you know really 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 different no it's you know you're in the you're in the margins but you can definitely tell like i got out of the box i was like okay this is immediately this is a different color and the echoes of what i said on the podcast literally the night before uh rang in my head because i was like oh dear this is what i said was blatantly incorrect because the colors are different and i do actually prefer the new color so the new color is a nice improvement in that in in that scheme of things is it miles different to the original color no but it is different and i did a you know comparison post that's on 95 mac if you want to try and see the the side by side in images in image form uh it never photographs perfectly but there is a difference like it's darker and it's a tinge of blue in there and but in terms of the color i'd be like yeah it's a cool color so i'm happy happy exists sound quality and general like 
speed performance of the unit. Interestingly, there's been some other people who have got this, some official reviews have said that they sound more different to the original HomePod when they've been doing side-by-sides, uh, especially around like the bass response. In my testing, I can't, I can't uh, say that's the case. I would say they sound identical. Literally identical. Not like, oh, it's, you know, oh, they, they, they sound close enough or they sound, uh, you know, they do sound different, but I can't verbalize the difference. No, no, no. They literally sound identical. I had an AirPlay 2 set. I had both in exactly the same spot on next to my TV, uh, the new ones and the old ones. I was doing AirPlay multi-room, you know, so you can set multiple speakers to be the, the speaker out. So I had both stereo pairs connected. I would turn the volume down on one, listen to it, immediately switch the volume to the same level onto the other speakers, flip-flopping between the new one and the old one on the same tracks, literally instantaneously, and they would sound literally identical. Hmm. There's more difference upgrading from 16.0 to 6.3 than there is in the actual hardware. Because between 16.0 and 6.3, Apple's like done some tuning. There's some more focus on vocals, especially for spoken content, but it also impacts music as well. And there's the, the Dolby Atmos kind of like rendering pipeline is different when you're going from the Apple TV to the HomePods as well. So the sound changes between you know 16.0 and 6.3. Uh, but in terms of the hardware differentiation, they sounded the same. And I was comparing both with 16.3 installed. So at least in my case, I wouldn't say it's better or worse. You could maybe find one song or one track where it was like the way the bass is coming out is very, very, very mildly different, but it was so close. It was well within like general variance of just these sound the same. And so I was after I were doing after I did the side by side, I like left it a few days because other people were saying it sounded different. And then I went back and was like questioning myself. I was like really does this sound does it actually sound different am i like deluded so i went back and did the test again and i started playing songs and then i was like wait this so i, I played like one on the on the old homepod first reading the articles which is like the old homepod has warmer stronger bass response and so i played a song and i was like well, maybe it does maybe this does sound more bassy but then i played the same song immediately on the new ones and it sounded exactly the same so i don't know whether i'm you know, not tuned enough to tell the difference. I don't think that's the case. I, even if I couldn't, like, use words to describe what was wrong because I don't know the vocabulary of, of music, I generally am pretty good at just hearing a better one versus a worse one. And to me, they sound so close to the same that I really couldn't tell them apart. Maybe I think there is potentially some variance in the way that the system sensor inside the new HomePod calibrates to the room. And so maybe if you get unlucky and you get, like, a bad setup where it detects the room badly, it, it performs worse. But in my case, I put them in exactly the same place as the old one, and they sounded exactly the same. So I have no qualms about um, replacing the new ones with the old ones. That's exactly what I've done. And I have both my new ones in the stereo pair set up with the Apple TV, uh, which is where they were in my uh, where the originals used to be. And I've taken the originals into other rooms to mm-hmm. give my HomePods in more rooms. In terms of speed, because obviously the HomePod has a newer chip than compared to the original. Again, I would say it's a dead heat. This may be like immediately slightly uh, unexpected because it's like the chip's way newer, shouldn't it be way faster? But I think the reality is mostly what you're doing with a HomePod is interfacing with a network request, right? You say a query, it then sends the audio off to the back-end server. The back-end server processes the answer on Apple's end and it delivers back to you the response. 
Very little other than that process requires any CPU processing at all. It's not doing on-device voice transcription, as far as I know. It just takes the audio and shuttles it off to Apple's backend for transcription and, and processing. And the answers come back in the same amount of time. I think if you're having... If you have original HomePods and you're having problems with stuff responding slowly, if you've got one of the HomePods that is like on the blink on the way out, then that may be the case because they just generally get unreliable in all sorts of different ways, including just responding slower. I think then the the antennas to the internet get worse and, and, and degrade over time. But if you have HomePods that are in good working order, like Touchwood, my 2018s have both been, uh, thankfully, the new one performs exactly the same i have it sitting in places where they are in good wi-fi response and when you're in good wi-fi area it picks up the network request it answers it in exactly the same time on both this is harder to do like side by sides with because it isn't you know reproducible every single time because sometimes you ask a home border thing and it responds instantly sometimes you ask it and it answers you after a you know after a moment's notice right but if you do the out if you average it out i've been using both and they both respond in the same amount of time. Timers, you know, asking for songs, asking for the weather, that kind of stuff. Very, 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 very similar. I would maybe suggest that going forward, you're probably better future-proofed if you have the new ones because it will be on the S7 architecture and that's like the same software software architecture as the S5 chips available in the HomePod Mini. And so new features going forward might be new HomePod exclusive. Like, for instance, that rumor that they're going to change the wake word to just Siri rather than the two word phrase. Mm-hmm. And so maybe when that feature comes out, they'll be like, this is only available on HomePods with an S chip inside. Um, so maybe at that point, the old HomePods would be more deprecated. Uh, but in terms of the functionality right now, the Siri performance seems the same. I will say one thing that is uh, noticeably better is the U1 chip um, for the nearby handoff feature. So on the old, on the original HomePod, they have no ultra-wideband support at all. So they have a handoff thing where it bases it on Bluetooth proximity. So you bring the phone close to the HomePod unit and it picks it up and transfers the song back and forth. The U1 chip definitely makes that way more responsive. Um, it notices the the phone notices the HomePods are playing music when you're just like in the same room. You don't have to go super close to them. As you do get close to them, it immediately brings up the handoff UI and it has a nice um, animation that goes along one-to-one with you getting closer and further away from the unit because that's just the ultra wideband providing the higher precision positioning information so that is noticeably better uh, but the general like performance of the home pod on its own i couldn't tell you any difference um so if you're in an environment right now where your home pod responds slowly i'd say first off just check your wi-fi and check your um network coverage is good because if you have good network con- connectivity in my experience the home pod responds reasonably fast what do you play more everything. what do you play more mm-hmm. of on your home pod i know you use it as your your home theater so do you have it more as you know movies and tv shows or do you actively play music on it i play music on it i mean it probably gets used more as a as the tv speakers right but it does get music played on it for sure mm-hmm. um quite often it's the music being played through the apple tv in the first place so like sure. if if i'm you know doing dinner or something then i'll just put music running through the tv but obviously they're coming out with homepod speakers um while i'm sorting food out uh but i guess if you wanted raw hours of usage it probably gets more usage just as outputting tv tv shows and movies because mm-hmm. obviously if you're using the tv it's always using the homepods whereas asking it to do stuff is more intermittent 
but no, it gets it gets fair use for both music and TV. And before I moved into my own house, the HomePods were in my office, and they'd only be used for music and podcasts. Sure, at that point. yeah. Yeah. Um, it's only been more recently that I've used them in a dedicated TV environment. And one of the HomePods that I've now retired from the living room will be going upstairs to again be used for music slash home assistant kind of uses. Cool. So I do give it a fair shake on, on all metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything I said about music and sound performance, again, I'd say the same thing for the uh, home theater usage as well. It seems the same. And the Dolby Atmos changes they've done with the point threes. I think is overall better because it gives slightly more prioritization to the vocal track. So if you're in like a watching a TV show and you kind of have that thing where the like ambient volume of effects and background noise kind of overtaking and muffling the, the, the main people speaking, I feel like since point three, they, that's been, that effect has been greatly reduced. So it, it, you can hear more clearly the actual like main actors talking, which I think is better overall. Um, the detachable power cord is a change <laughs> compared to the new one to the old one. Again, we're talking small things here, right? Because it didn't change much about it. It's almost the same product. But the detachable power cord is appreciated. And in fact, I took advantage of that the immediately time I set it up. So I got rid of the home pods. And the way that I put my new one in was I just did it power cord only. So the little um, gap I have at the back of the cabinet where the TV goes, I didn't have to like yank the whole gap and the whole cabinet out just to put the um, put the cord in. I only needed to make a little hole where the end of the detachable cord could fit through. And then uh-huh. I could put the cabinet back and plug the HomePod in. Like, mm-hmm. the original, you couldn't do that with. It was so much more of a hassle. These ones are so much easier. And if you need to, like, if they do have a problem or you need to reset them or restart them, you can just pull the cord out of the back. You know, you don't have to dig down to get to the get to the outlet or mess about. So, and and it gives scope for third-party makers to make accessories, right? So you can imagine longer or shorter cords to be available and i believe the actual like plug is like a standard size so you don't even need like homepod specific cables but you probably want to get one that like matches in terms of color and has the right like hole at the back to cover the the whole bit rather just having an exposed plug um but you can immediately see oh someone can make a five meter one or a one meter one or whatever so that's a nice little change they've done um and then finally the main difference which i would say is the regression compared to the originals is the top surface so it's not a screen, right? It's still like an LED array that goes through a little diffuser to make it blurry. Um, but the original, it would be a little circle in the center, which would light up with multiple colors. And then you'd have volume buttons around the edge, which were backlit. So you'd have, you know, minus for decreased volume and plus for increased volume. And the whole thing's like touch sensitive in the fact that you can like long press on it, you can tap on it, or you can press the buttons. Um, the new one is the same design as the HomePod Mini, where the volume buttons are not um, individually lit. They're just kind of etched into the top surface. So, like, in my case, it's a black HomePod, so the buttons are just, like, scratched in there neatly, and then the whole um, top area can light up. So before, only the very middle would light up, but now the whole surface can light up with colors, theoretically. But the way it behaves is also the same as the HomePod Mini. So if you're talking to Siri directly, while Siri's listening to you, the whole of the top surface lights up with multicolor flashes and it's very eminently visible. Um, and because it's all lit up, the volume buttons are very clearly seen because they've got color behind them. But when you're playing music, the HomePod only shines a little glow in the center, like a white, subtle glow in the center. And the white glow does not reach far enough to the edges of the top surface to really make the volume buttons stand out. In the old, um, on the original HomePods, 
While music was playing, you'd have no, like, serial animation. You'd just have the volume buttons lit up. But in the new ones, the volume buttons can't light up. There's no LEDs there to do it. So the only way you can Apple can make them visible is by having permanent brightness from that serial. But mm-hmm. the serial only goes to, like, a third of the way across the top. So the buttons are really, really hard to see. And if you didn't know they were there, I'm not sure you'd be able to tell. This is on the midnight models. I think on the white models, they might be more clearer just because then it's, like, black on white, whereas these ones are kind of, like, black on black, right, in terms yeah. of the etching. Um but that is a big step back. So, and, and when I was commenting on this on uh, you know my post and Twitter Master and stuff, a lot of people replied to me saying, "Well, does it really matter? Do you ever use the physical buttons on the HomePod that often?" <laughs> and I mean, that is true. It's not the most critical thing in the world. But when you're spending three hundred dollars for a speaker, you kind of want it to work, right? And the backlighting felt the backlight buttons on the original felt way more premium and way more useful. And especially when other people come around who have never really seen a HomePod before, chances are, because they're not that popular. The old design was way clearer on like, oh, I've accidentally turned it on. How do I make it quieter? Oh, there's this big button here that's a minus sign. On the new one, you almost have to know the button's there in advance to be able to tell that they're still there. So the top surface change I don't like at all. I, the, whole, the older one felt a lot better. Yeah, This reminds me of the differences in quality of Apple's keyboard backlighting over the years. Like... I don't know if you recall when I had the 12-inch MacBook, first one in 2015. Uh, it just had really poor backlighting in, in terms of um, it, it wasn't even across. You'd, mm-hmm. you'd see like the command key would be very dim for the command symbol um, compared to like the middle of the keyboard or all the letters where they're much brighter, and it just didn't look great. Um, so this sounds like sort of that where because you've just got a difference, they there's room for just the variance there. There's room for uh, it to be worse in this specific color, it seems like. So, um, yeah, it just, just reminds me of that. Um, I, th- for the light situation, I, I went into an, I was in an Apple store over the weekend and um, saw the Midnight HomePod 2 playing. Uh, they didn't have a white one on display and they didn't have stock of anything, but uh, I, I did get to see that in a, uh, especially like Ian Zelbo on Twitter, he, he shared a lot of pictures of the top, and I think this is his first big HomePod. Um, same for our colleague Aaron, and um, you know what Ian has shared is like he he's really likes the Siri animation and and how colorful it is and how big mm-hmm. it is compared to before, and just thinks it's like really something that they should they should do more of. Um, and I've also heard the opposite where people are like that that, that Siri animation is way too big now, and it's just Cult random colors and um, not very attractive. So it, it all depends on your preferences and taste. But I happen to think it looks it's pretty cool looking. And uh, uh, you know, as someone who likes you know hue lights and different colors and and that sort of thing, um, to the point where I would I, I kind of want to see it more as like a visual part of the HomePod. Um, and I, I shared a, I shared on Twitter and Mastodon that I would like to see the the colorfulness more frequently yeah yeah just swap out what you see for siri and what you see for um now playing and and that was just an easy way to do it it's just just to say it is like apple should swap these two things um of course there was loads of feedback with with good points and good ideas um you know some people would say um that that would be way worse for using it as a home theater because it would just be lit up all the yeah. time or if you're using it at night it would be 
just one more light to annoy you, um, which is true. So, you know, you go, you go there just like, but there were other ideas that were like that that's true. I think it's really pretty and it should be part of the, um, the, the music playing experience, like a visualizer, it could even interpret, you know, there's <laughs> it's not a screen per se, but you could even do tricks to make it sort of emphasize the colors of the album art, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it, it knows what the album art would be if, if we're able to display it. So that was an inter- interesting thing to me. I think ultimately um, it's it's not super Apple-y, but the, the HomePod is a HomeKit accessory and HomeKit has a good bit of configuration. So if you were able to say, I, I, and also LED light control, it's pretty standard for electronics. So if you're able to say, I want this, there's, there's a default, which is what Apple references on their support document. But if you prefer a different way, you could say the colorful version is now playing. Um, and then you could see, you know, and they want that to be series. The big, it's a giant Siri blob. Um, you could even have color be the small Siri blob when you're using Siri. Um, and, and then also you could set rules like if it's at night or, you know, after sunset or something, then, then do have no light on it, you know, just give you full control over it. Don't see Apple doing that, but that sure would be nice though. If you were able to say, this is sort of the preference of what I would want to do with, with the light on it. Um, and it almost makes it, I mean, it's not like a home kit light cause it's not a source of, of, of illumination really. It's just, you know, a little, a little touch, like enough to be annoying if you want it to be totally dark and enough to be um sort of just just neat if you are, are seeing it in the dark so um I don't, like just addressing it as like a home kit light would be interesting uh, <laughs> so and, and, and so that that's sort of thing but it really is a the act of siri on it i think that's why i i thought it looked so neat and, and people like ian did as well is because compared to the first homepod even like that's a color but it's still the small circle and then it got bigger on the HomePod Mini, but the HomePod Mini was still small. Yeah. And now it's like this huge, the full diameter of the of the top of it becomes colorful. Um, yeah, so. I, I think the the anim- the Siri animation looks good. It looks better um, on the new one. Uh, taking up the full space, it looks prettier. It looks it looks flashy. But I definitely think I I come down the like the less is more side of life on this because I don't think you could have that animation being continuously going for the entire duration of you know an entire album like it would get way too distracting it's good for like you're actively talking to it because it's like a state of it's actively doing something but in the kind of dormant state of just the music playing i get why they make it just like a subdued light um but that subdued light also comes with the trade-off of the volume buttons not being visible anymore <laughs> yeah. so uh and i don't think there's really a fix like the the only way they could do it is if they lit up the whole surface and i think that would be worse so if they're gonna add an option thing then that would be a if they're gonna add like finer grain control like you were saying then i guess that would be one solution but if they did do that i wouldn't pick it i would take the worst volume buttons to have the subdued look because it would be way too distracting especially if you're using them as tv speakers when you're watching films or movies or whatever and you've got these like home pods continuously lighting up on the side mm-hmm. whereas in their like current design it's just a you know a slight white glow yeah, and it also depends on placement when you're using them. Like people have hue lights that respond to TV, uh, you know, matching the color of the TV. There's a whole HDMI box for that. So, for example, like if your HomePods were um, on a shelf of a TV stand and there wasn't a lot of room um, above the HomePod, then it would just sort of light up that level. Um, mm. Or if they were higher up, then when you were sitting, then it would just be a glow on the wall sort of. 
Um, so for that effect, I think it would be it, it sort of matches the intents of what you can do with hue lights. Um, but it would just be you know how what you prefer or where you. It place would have it. to be a preference. Yeah, they couldn't force right. it like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Won't, won't happen though. Not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Overall, I'm happy with the new home pods. I wish it was cheaper, as we said last week. I wish they would um, invest even more in this space to really push it forward. But what we have is the same thing that they discontinued two years ago, and we've been waiting to bring it back, and they literally did just that. So mm-hmm. I'm happy that that option now exists, and fingers crossed it's the start of a bigger family because they had one, they had the original, then for a brief fleeting time they had two with the original and the mini, then they had one again with just the mini, and now they have two sizes. And there's plenty of scope for more and you know soundbars and other sizes and cheaper ones and bigger ones and maybe separate bass and all sorts of stuff. But at least the original that was so beloved uh, has survived so that people that are broken, if they want to, can buy them again and basically get the same experience that they enjoyed in 2018, but now in 2022. 2023. 2023, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wishing it was last year. <laughs> Finding this week happy hour is brought to you by ladder if you're anything like me you have a certain tendency to put things off until the very last minute uh dentists op- opticians appointments that kind of stuff and you know it's usually fine but you shouldn't mess around and wait when it comes to life insurance get term coverage life insurance through ladder today i've started needing glasses recently and it kind of hit me like oh damn I'm, I'm getting older and stuff like life insurance somehow feels immediately more relevant life insurance gives you peace of mind to know that your family will be taken care of if the worst happens and ladder is a 100 percent digital service when you apply for three million dollars in coverage or less that means no doctors no needles and no paperwork required it's all done online you just need a phone or laptop to apply you fill out ladder's application form and their smart algorithms will work in real time and tell you instantly if you're approved and Ladder has no hidden fees and you can cancel at any time. Get a full refund if you cancel within the first 30 days. And Ladder's policies are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying claims. Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot. And Ladder even made Forbes' best life insurance 2021 list. If you've been thinking about getting life insurance, Ladder is the place to do it. If you aren't sure but you just want more information, go on Ladder's website, fill out their online calculator, and you can see the costs and terms of the plan with no commitment. And as the cost of life insurance goes up as you age, now is the time to act and get it done. So go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour today to see if you're instantly approved. That's spelled L-A-D-D-E-R-L-I-F-E dot com slash happy hour. One more time, ladderlife.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Ladder for sponsoring the show. Do you have thoughts on the design of Apple's new nav bar on apple.com? I do. I think it's better. So the changes they have is basically now when you hover over um, most of the tabs, it has drop-down kind of region that shows you options within that category. So if you hover over iPad, a big thing drops down and it says explore iPad and there's buttons to go see iPad Pro, iPad Air, iPad 10th generation, iPad mini, Apple Pencil, keyboards... And then they also have some smaller links, which are like comparison of all the iPad models or, you know, iPad accessories or financing or trading and, and stuff like that. So basically, it's taking more of the sitemap and just making it more visible to you. You can still just click on the tabs at the top and it takes you back to the same pages that always existed. But now if you wait and hover, you get the drop downs. And so especially for things like TV and home, 
if you want to go and find the HomePod, before you have to click TV at Home at the top, wait for the page load, then click on the HomePod you want. Now you can just, you know, hover at TV at Home in the top and then immediately jump to the HomePod. So I think it's better. Um, do you not like it? You, you asked me as if you sounded like you were uh, not on the side of uh, this change. I've just seen mixed opinions from people. Uh, and, and the way that you described it, it sounds like you've used it on, on the desktop, uh, on the web. Yeah. Or excuse me, not on the web, on on mobile or on touch screens, it's you, you, where you don't have the the hover. Or if you're just using touch mode, because I guess you could hover on an iPad with a trackpad. But when you're using touch first, uh, it's it's two taps to get to the to the page versus like hover and click. It's tap and tap mm-hmm. to get to the the primary page. Um, so it, it does feel slower on on touch interface than it did before because there is more interaction. I think it's way more functional to have all of the page breakdowns under the categories. And I think it's a just a, a win on desktop. Um, maybe on touch it could be maybe touch friendlier than it currently is. You'll have to you'll have to try that and see if you, you feel differently about the touch. Oh yeah, I've just now I see what you mean because it's basically like the tabs it almost becomes like top level tabs and you click on one and it takes you to like a second page navigation where you then mm-hmm. choose what you want. So you can't really get to that like iPhone hub page on mobile as easily whereas right. on the desktop you can just click on the tab and it takes you straight there whereas mm-hmm. on this design it takes you more jumped into the individual products yeah maybe they can refine that slightly I don't think it's terrible I still I think overall it's a better change like yeah, it, it just kind of reflects the growing product lineup right like and the and the growing business divisions and the mm-hmm. the website was getting crowded. I mean, I still think it's kind of funny how. Do you remember like about two years ago they had to make the tabs smaller with the font size just so they could fit extra tabs on there. Yeah. Um. And now this is like the second level of that. Yeah. Well, one thing I think is kind of cool about it, especially on desktop, is that it looks identical to the way it looked before. It's just they've added these these drop down menus, you know, on upon hover. So, um, it's. The function of it all, I think, is nice, and I think it's kind of neat that they took what was always just the static tab bar, and now they've made it more dynamic. What, what tab do you think the um, headset's going to go under? Ooh, support, support, <laughs> <laughs> accessories. <laughs> is that relevant? It'll have its own. Don't worry. TV and home. <laughs> A- AR will have its own profound tab. <laughs> you think it'll have its own tab? Yeah, it'll be under profoundness. What if they? Okay, this is a. I'm just going wild here. Yeah, yeah. What if they called it an AirPods product? AirPods reality. Oh, AirPods reality. They love the AirPods brand. They do love. They do love yeah. the AirPods brand. Yeah, AirPods used to mean the earbuds, and and when they had AirPods Max, it's like, oh, it can be headphones. It's oh, things like, you just wear on your head region. Yeah, yeah. If if they can come out with the headset, I mean, I guess the running name we say is Apple Reality Pro. But if mm. they can do it without using Pod, that. <laughs> You, it won't be called the eye headset, and it won't be called, you know, head pod. But uh, if, if I don't know, there's a, there's a lot of things that they keep filtering around for, and I think this is one of them. Figuring out the name. I mean, Apple Reality is a decent <laughs> name, like for the lineup, and then Apple Reality Pro is that particular model. I don't it's think so it's abstract. A... It's so abstract to me, though. Like, if it's abstract, I, I, but I, I guess all the names are if you don't know what they are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, AirPods is abstract if you don't really. So is HomePod, so is iPad, yeah. Yeah, because like earbuds, it's not earpods, you know. Like, I mean, Apple's were earpods, but you don't even know that if you know the history, right? Like, AirTag, well, that could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we'll guess. I guess we'll see what happens when they do announce the headset, how they 
how they divvy it up on the on the nav bar. Uh, the other little change that they did along with this is they renamed the tab that has Apple TV Plus, music, arcade, fitness, the services Facebook. tab, the services tab, yeah, the content services tab. Um, before this tab was titled only at Apple, which was a bizarre name for a tab that contained services that are mostly cross-platform. But it was called Only at Apple, and you click on it, and it would then have the drop-downs for all the different options. And it would say, you know, like, the best services in the world live here only on Apple. Um, like, like News Plus. Like News Plus, I guess, which is technically only on Apple, but mm-hmm. music and TV are available on all sorts the, of places. The best services and, are in more places. Yeah, yeah the, best, <laughs> the most popular <laughs> services are in more places. And over time... It seems like they're adding more and more availability of other services. So the whole only on Apple thing was kind of random. So, but now the tab is named Entertainment. It's a lot more engaging. A lot, a lot more natural. A lot more understandable. I'd say. Are you um, looking for Apple exclusivity? Or are you looking to be entertained? You know, very few, <laughs> very different things. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of the priority order was wrong the last time, and they have a nice little strap line now. When you click on the Entertainment tab, meet the A list of Entertainment. Whereas before it was some pun on. You know, and and that links Apple to our podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent, great. But the, the A-list entertainment's a good little subheading because it also has the, the play on words with the A for standing maybe for Apple, right? Like, mm-hmm. so. Only on Apple to entertainment's a, a good change. And I like the tab change. I know some, I know it's been controversial with some people, but I think it's yeah. better. It reminds me of the 9 to 5 Mac navigation at the top where you can you know click on iphone and there's a sub menu of the different models etc um mm. and it's it's that same idea of like you know structural navigation um so and whereas they don't change the the top level labels very often you will definitely expect them to refresh the the, the secondary uh, navigation labels as different things become relevant you know whatever they're promoting so uh, yeah well, more more dynamic dynamicism on Apple.com. I want to mention a few things in the TV. Uh, speaking of entertainment. Yeah, speaking TV. of entertainment, it's almost <laughs> like the, the, the topics are arranged this way for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you're going to see a lot of Apple promoting the um, the Apple Music Halftime Show with Rihanna. This this heavy promotion for that. But Is um, that Sunday, right? Is that Sunday? That, that, that's why I want to mention is because, of course, there's all the advertisements for, you know, from Apple's perspective. But um, the Super Bowl is on Sunday. Uh, and so it will be the first Apple Music sponsored halftime show um so if you care about seeing that then uh, that that is sunday evening tune in um and unclear watch... still unclear if you can actually watch it i don't think you can watch it live in apple music app i think it's there after the fact but live you can only watch it on tv or maybe on twitter because i think they've got a live stream of the super bowl but <laughs> i don't believe you can actually stream it through an apple entertainment app until it's over so yeah. that's a bit awkward but that's how tv rights work with Live sports. What is is it Fox or CBS? I forget which one, but you could use their app on your. You're iPod. the American here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah one of them. <laughs> it's on somewhere. Yeah, you just look at the TV guy. Anyway, uh, I've been watching Shrinking, the, the 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 Apple TV Plus series from the minds of um, the Ted Lasso uh, creators, and then uh, it, it stars uh, Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. And I think they did two episodes at first, and then and now it's weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first ones were a little bit longer. They, they've kind of they've settled down into like half hour episodes. Um, initially, you, 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 you've watched the show. You're kind of getting like, what is the format of the storytelling and everything? How's this going to go? Um, 
at first it felt like, oh, you're really, and maybe because I know about the Ted Lasso connection, it's like you're really trying to take the template for Ted Lasso and then change up the setting for it. Um, you know, change the it, change the occupation <laughs> change the occupation yeah it's um you know person going through something that uh, is actually having like heartwarming experiences and everything and it's like uh, um so, but the more it's gone on i think this it's just like more interesting as its own story separate from anything in the ted lasso universe so uh you know in in the story there's no connection of course so uh but but you, you will see the similarities at least in, in the beginning, um, and I'm and I'm liking it. Like this is one of the new. This is a show now that I'm you know on on the Friday release day. I'm going to watch it each week. Um, I'm looking forward on release day. The Dear Edward, that's a film, right? No, no, that's a series. A series. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was a film. Yeah, I haven't. I, I was going to watch it if it was a film, and I was hoping to do it before the the the, the podcast. But um, obviously, I have not. Um, I saw some reviews that it was just like too dreary to be good, like like too. But you never know with reviews. But um, some reviews have been pretty positive on it. To be fair, there were a couple right? that were like, yeah, that were like it was just. I mean, all of the reviews are like you're basically crying on every episode. If you see what I mean, like it's ah, it's yeah. one of those it's one of those kind of shows, and you can um, you have your own opinion about whether you like that kind of thing or not, right? Sure. And then Ed- yeah. Edward, being the child who survives a plane crash, and mm-hmm. story from there. Okay. Uh, speaking of reviews, the, the the this is a film sharper, right? Yeah, that's yep. been well reviewed, which is yeah. always the case for an Apple TV Plus movie. I, like in general, I'd say Apple's had much better success with their television content than their film content to date, yeah. and and I think some of that just harkens back to the the executive team at the top, right? Mm-hmm. Zach Zach um, Van Amberg and Jamie Ehrlich. They came from Sony Television. They did television shows, uh, so the movies division has always felt. Uh, less esteemed and it's taken them longer to kind of ramp up i mean they've had a couple of good films obviously they won best picture with coda right but like when an apple tv show comes out a new one i'm more inclined to check it out and give it a go because i feel like on the general it's going to be good whereas the films are a lot more hit and miss and 2023 is a chance for them to reset their narrative because they've got some big films coming in this year like the martin Martin scorsese killers of the flower moon and um ridley scott's napoleon so they got some big they got some big hitters coming, uh, but so far their first uh, film release for this year is Sharper. It's like a neo thriller starring Julianne Moore and Sebastian Stan and others. And yeah, it's got pretty good reviews. Um, I'm I'm keen to check it out. It comes out on the seventeenth. Yeah, uh, I like John Lithgow too. I like him a lot. John Lithgow, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, even even Netflix movies aren't as hit as as TV shows often are i mean they make so much content you really can't make any any generalizations about them but yeah um, like apple's still in those like early stages where mm-hmm. you can differentiate the two because also the thing with the films is they release so many so much less of them like yeah. it's it's you know apple tv plus is three years old and they've released maybe 10 um narrative like uh fiction films and then they've got documentaries and other stuff right but like the amount of actual film releases they've put out is very low um, and out of those, like, maybe 10 to 15, probably only, like, under half of what I would say are, like, good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, like, it's been a lot less um, of, a, of a... It's been more of a swing and a miss, I would characterize the film side compared to the TV side, which I think has been pretty positive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, there was a new release promotional 
video for Hello Tomorrow. Mm. They, they've shown sort of a teaser trailer for it, and this is kind of more the talent talking about the premise of the show. Yeah, they call it like the first look, right? Where it's mm. like you get interviews with the cast and they do a bit more promotional reel for it and show you a few clips and stuff. Um, yeah. You it, like it. It looks even better than the trailer that I saw based on that video. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that. This is the kind of retro future sci-fi drama starring Billy Crudup. Uh, and he, he's him and his like company is like selling uh, timeshares on the moon. But there's clearly some sort of sinister undertone to it where what they're promising, what they're selling probably isn't the reality. And that's kind of like the hook of the story, I think. Yeah, seems to be a yeah. statement they're trying to make there. Um, yeah, I, I watched the, the teaser trailer and enjoyed it a lot. That was my first exposure to this at all. Um, I started this first look video and I was like, oh, no, they're showing way too much. They're, they're, I This is the thing where when like after an HBO show, they'll have uh, after the the show ends they'll have people talking about making the episode and everything um and i to me it's too much outside influence on what the creators want you to take away from things and and i like to just take in the the show on its own and and then check in with all the behind the scenes stuff so um i had to bail out of this video <laughs> after you sent it to me i was like no it's too much uh what is liaison liaison yeah it's it's the apple's first french language original series uh, okay because so the trailer for that came was... out this week as well which is probably why you put it in the uh put it in the list so yeah this is i think it's about 70 percent french language 30 percent english um it's like a thriller you know crime spry thriller thing yeah it, uh, it's it's one of the things coming out in the next week yeah that comes too. out on the 24th yeah mm-hmm. so yeah uh, Sharper and Hello Tomorrow uh, come out on the 17th. Obviously, Hello Tomorrow's um, a show, so it comes out with like the first three episodes and it's weekly. But mm-hmm. So they come out the 17th and the week after it's Liaison, which is Apple's first uh, French language original series. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. It looked pretty good based on the trailer. I don't, I'm still, unfortunately, stuff that's in other languages, I can't quite grok or keep my eyes on. Like, I hate reading subtitles. And so I have to then use the dubbed version, which I don't really love either. So I never attached to those shows as much, including, you know, the big hits like um, Squid Game and stuff. Like, it's all harder for me to... Which is my fault, not the fault with the show, but it's just the reality. But um, it looks pretty good. I mean, Apple gives good budgets to all their content, regardless of where it's commissioned. So Yeah. Is there... This is an experience I had this like just yesterday, I believe. Is there a place on the Apple TV app, just say on the iPad, where you can say, I want to see everything on Apple TV Plus, the service? Like alphabetized or ordered by release date? No. No. It's 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 all it, just It is in that tab. Uh-huh. Yeah, so everything that they have is in that TV Plus tab, but it's not in one single list, no. I don't think everything's in the TV. I, I think that there are some things that you just can't find by by navigating. You have to search for. No, I would I would dispute that. Okay, I bet if you find if you know which collection it's in, you'll be okay. able to find it. Probably collection by actor, and that's where you'd find some things. No, 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 no. Like so, if you scroll, if you're on the TV Plus tab and you scroll down, they have a collection which is all drama series and all comedy oh, series. Okay, so they have. Pretty much everything listed somewhere. But, like, for instance, in the, you know, all drama series, they don't count the kids' content. To get the kids' content, you've got to know to scroll further down and click on the Apple Originals for kids section, and then it's all stuffed in there. So, like, you can, if you start in the in the base level of the TV Plus tab, you can navigate to everything. I'm okay. pretty certain of that. 
But no one ever does because it's really hard to find, right? So, like, yeah. it's not like... Like, Apple Arcade has that screen where it's literally just, like, every That's game what I released want. in reverse yeah. chronological order. Um, that doesn't exist for TV+. Plus. Yeah, I want that to exist. Maybe it would even just be a website that you create that just has yeah. links to everything. I mean, there might be a page like that on the actual internet, i.e. my TV it. Plus guide post. So yours is that? If you, From your TV guide post, you can link to... It's one list of everything? It's one list of everything. Cool. Oh, Come on, look. you must have seen my post before, mate. I only see it coming resurfacing all the time when there's new stuff, and I think that's a great service that you provide. But I didn't think of it as a... Um, comprehensive list of everything. I just thought of it as a here's what's new uh, that you no, add so it, to. I mean, at some point, I'll probably have to stop because the page is getting huge. But you can do it, pagination, right? Like, yeah, I guess, I guess so. But yeah, so if you do want to see a reverse chronological list of everything, you can do that on uh, 95 Mac Apple TV Plus Guide, which is maintained by me, and it, it's it's only split into sections of TV shows, movies, sports, and shorts, right? But if you're in the TV show section, it's literally reverse chronological. So the, the top thing on there is Dear Edward, which obviously came out last Friday. So that's, it's reverse chronological. And if Apple won't provide it, you can do it on our website. <laughs> cool. I, I wasn't le- like setting you up for that, but that's awesome. Um, <laughs> so here's my challenge. I What's the name of the show that's uh, audio only? Calls. Calls, yeah. There's a lot of um, Pedro Pascal love going around right now, you know, from... The Mandalorian, uh, now The Last of Us, hosted SNL last weekend. So all, all the Pedro Pascal fans are um, voicing their love for him right now. And it just reminds it reminded me that he does a voice in the Calls series. And these are like 10-minute well, like episodes or audio experiences. There's a visual element to it, but it's not required. But I think that that's like a hidden gem. And I don't think you've ever listened to it. But I, I did. Know. I binged it. It was that good to me. <laughs> and I'm not sure you can find it from navigating from the TV Plus page. Uh, say, I, f- I found it. You f- from navigating on TV Plus tab? It's, in, it's Cats in all drama series. Oh, of course. That's going to be like the collective thing. How do you but, find... Uh, I guess it'd be nonfiction films and series. I was going to say um, Long Way Up, and there it is. Yeah. Maybe I mean, don't right. get me wrong. The The organization <laughs> is terrible. Like, Because yeah. the other thing is, unless the, the Apple TV Plus screen... It really like the, the 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 above the fold part, or even you scroll a little bit. It's all just latest releases, right? Like yeah. there's very little um, promotion of their older stuff. So like calls, for instance, is nowhere else apart from if you click on all drama series and scroll to the very bottom. Like mm-hmm. if you because what I kind of like Netflix is more like an infinite scroll. Like you can like scroll forever, and obviously they have a, a massive content library, but they're also just repeating stuff in different categories, right? So like if mm-hmm. you keep scrolling, you see different categories of different stuff, and you eventually like weed through a lot more of it. The TV app doesn't work like that, really. It's much more of like an older style like directory. It's not as dynamic. It doesn't change as much. Like I'm pretty sure it's just done by a person. Because I feel like if you're if they're going to do it this style, where you don't have like you know sub tabs for every genre and category. You should be able to to like scroll forever, and it just keeps bringing up groups of shows and suggest them to you. And you should be able to keep scrolling, almost like infinite scroll kind of situation. But it doesn't work like that. It's like one person edits the page and puts it in this order, and so it's editorialized. It's 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 modeled after iTunes Store. And the other Um, thing is, it's not dynamic in the sense that, like, if you watch something, it doesn't change what's on that tab based on what you've watched, right? Like, (laughs) it's just static. 
So, so like the same stuff appears on the the top navigation, you know, the top little featured area, like stuff I've watched to completion. It just suggests it to me again for no reason. Like, mm-hmm. or for instance, let's say you watched a like Pedro Pascal, right? Is obviously uh, trending right now in the world, but mm-hmm. it doesn't show up in here because the Apple TV editors don't care. For instance, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. It's 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 very old fashioned in that way, and they need to do a lot more about it. And a lot of it comes to the fact that it's all contained in that single tab. Like I think a, a great example is their kids' content. Right? They've released new kids' original series every more than once a month for the last like year. Like it's been like an initiative by them called like Change Makers Initiative. So they release new originals like cartoons and family content continuously. Right? But what kid is ever going to find it on that tab? Because you have to scroll past. <laughs> You have to scroll past, like, adult stuff to even get to it. Like, you have to scroll so far down this page and then click on this carousel of kids and family, which then you have to scroll through to actually find something. Like, if you go in Disney+, Plus, just a tab at the bottom of the app is kids, right? But in the TV app, the tabs are Watch Now Original Store and Library because it's trying to do too much and it's overwhelmed with, you know, trying to collect content from all sorts of sources. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know what the solution is there, really, but, like... They need to do something because it's just the the TV Plus service is vastly outgrowing the kind of surface area it gets in yeah. the application. Yeah, I'll bring us all back and then we can get out of here. Um, there is the benefit of having so few films. You know, with TV they break it down by uh, by by sort of genre. For films, all feature films, <laughs> one page, barely scrolls on the iPad. So, <laughs> and even that category. Most people are not going to find because it's way far down that original tab. Like, yeah. you never get to it. So, like, they should have, like, a dedicated films tab at the very bottom of the screen or the very top. They should have, like, a film section. What kills me, right, is when you scroll down, the top navigation, it just says TV+, and there's no button on the left or the right. Like, yeah. I feel like there should be filter buttons or short or jump buttons on like, the top. If it were its own app and not in the TV app. If, if Exactly. Like, every other service has its own app. TV+, Plus is inside of the TV app, which is iTunes and also... Um, plugged into different services. So, yeah, challenges. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Watch calls. Watch shrinking. Try movies. You can probably watch all of them <laughs> over the weekend. And uh, we'll be back next it's week. Like hello to tomorrow in yeah. a week's time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. All right. That's the Happy Hour podcast for this uh, week. We will be back next week. In the meantime, if you have any feedback, you can email Benjamin and I together at Happy Hour at nine to five Mac dot com. Um, I'm on Twitter at ApolloZach, A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C, and on Mastodon at Z-A-C at home.social. I'm really enjoying the the engagement on both platforms. I feel like I'm connected to all of you. Uh, Benjamin, you're on Twitter at... B-Z-M-A-O. And I won't force you to say Mastodon. That was my, my, my choice. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm using Mastodon. B-Z-M-A-O at Mastodon.social. Okay. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Uh, and uh, I, I will also say um, if you enjoy the podcast you can follow in your favorite podcast app you can subscribe in the Apple podcast app for the ad free experience it's $5 per month or $50 per year that supports us directly we really appreciate that thank you for supporting our sponsors also if you haven't rated this show in a while or you're new to this show and you like it um, leaving a rating in, in Apple podcasts really helps us out um, and, and writing, leaving a review, it's super easy to do, one through five stars, what do you think? Um, but a review, handwritten reviews, really appreciate those. I spent the last weekend reading back over uh, re- like every review, 
and um it's it, i just had a you know i, I don't know I, I, <laughs> we need i think i think uh what reason i'm mentioning is because we need more recent ones a lot of them are older and um and and describe like different eras of the podcast so uh fresh reviews folks i'd appreciate that uh anything else from you mayo it's good for me all right bye everybody bye bye